Hello, you're listening to Heroes and Headwinds. It's a podcast brought to you by The Culinary Edge. I'm Graham Humphreys, CEO at The Culinary Edge, and I lead a team of food and beverage innovators who, maybe like you, solve today's problems and create tomorrow's opportunities for food and beverage. This podcast brings you into the conversations that we have with our heroes in the industry, discussing how to brave the headwinds of an ever-changing and challenging F&B landscape. Along the way, we hope you'll get to know our guests as we have as friends, collaborators, and inspirations for a brighter future. Today, we're sharing a recent interview with Dan Simpson, Chief Executive Officer of Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe. Tzatziki's cafes are a hallmark of the American East, but with locations stretching as far west as Colorado, delivering fresh Mediterranean-inspired cuisine. Dan taught me a saying that goes, the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, and the realist adjusts the sails. This encapsulates Dan's inspiring approach to navigating these interesting times. With TCE's Nikki Freihofer, here's the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks, Nikki. It is great to be back with you again. What I'm curious to hear about first and foremost is knowing that you've been at Tzatziki's for the past few years, what drew you to a career in food and beverage? How did you find yourself leading this Mediterranean casual brand? Yeah, sometimes you find yourself in the most unexpected places, right? Um, for me, I never really aspired to get into the restaurant space However, I have a family lineage that is deeply anchored in gardening and in cooking. And my grandfather's a chef and I've always been around food. And my wife is an avid gardener and cook. And then I ended up really being an entrepreneur and ended up in the tech space. And the combination of tech-enabled, scalable ideas led me, of all places, to restaurants. Um, so hospitality has always kind of been in my bones, in my heart. And it just happened to be that the restaurant space was needing some of the things that I was developing and using in other industries. And I realized that the crossroads uh, was leading me here. And I, again, I didn't plan to get here, but I'm really happy to be in the hospitality space. Nice. For the listeners, the, the tech that you were developing, Dan, was specifically directed towards the food service industry, was it? Yeah, in, in, in its kind of final iteration, but like many tech startups, you uh, go on a bit of a wild goose chase and you make the necessary right turns and left turns and wrong turns. And so, yeah, we, we worked in sort of the, the grocery store and restaurant and loyalty and ordering space and ended up meeting some some heavy hitters in the restaurant space that sort of was my foray, my gateway into this this industry. Hmm. Are you happy to have made the switch from a, you know, big glamorous yeah. tech to one of maybe the more notorious industries to build a career within? Well, yeah, it's interesting you say that because in some ways, like I never made the switch. In many ways, all the different entrepreneurial startups and even some some slightly larger companies have ended up really being the same transferable skill sets, right? It's always about people. It's always about hopefully smart technology. It's always about operations, always about innovation. And so the things that I have been working on in other spaces, I just keep doing in this space. I come at it from a now six years with the executive team at Tzatziki's and a few years as a franchisee before that, but still kind of with new eyes and often surprised and, and delighted and try to bring a different perspective into it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this industry is is filled with lots of people that are not just like legendary, tried and true operators, but also innovators and fresh thinkers. Absolutely. I'm curious, based on that experience, 
wiggling your way into this world, which is similar to your background, but also constantly pivoting. And to your point, I think a ton of people end up stumbling into it in similar or different circumstances. What advice would you give to someone who is intentionally or potentially not intentionally, you know, navigating the beginnings of their career in, in F&B? Yeah, what a great question. Well, you know, F&B is often a romantic idea and has wooed many a person into starting a restaurant or joining the restaurant space. Um, and so I would counterbalance that with the first one I'd say was like, basically understand the math, understand the math first, understand what drives a restaurant P&L at a single unit and a multi-unit scale and understand the challenges that are inherent in there, right? And I think you got to be grounded in the reality of the math. I would build on that and say, really understand the problem you're trying to solve before you jump in with this solution you're bringing to the world. What is this niche that is missing? What is this cuisine that is lacking? What does your town not have? And how are you going to do something in either a better way or a new way? And lastly, I would just say, no small task. Just be good at everything. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think this is... This is one of the challenges of being a manager these days is we say, great, let's put together a job security manager. Like, okay, well, be amazing at interviewing, hiring, and developing people. Check. Be amazing (laughs) in the culinary with a knife and understanding your menu and how to deliver it consistently every single day. And by the way, be amazing at customer service. Now be amazing at technology. And on and on it goes. Um, It's a very diverse set of skills to be excellent, I think, in this space. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's something that we talk about and we've talked about within our partnership and outside of it, which is that there are other industries where you can just be like a back-end software developer. Just, you know, (laughs) you could just do that. And I think that if you are working in the food service space every day in a restaurant, even if you're a back-of-house prep guy or you work in the cashier or whatever you're doing – there's a certain amount of like, you have to be superhuman, no matter what position you're playing from the corporate level down to like, you know, the line level employee. So yeah, that's, that's easy. Just be good at everything and understand everything about PLs and math. That's right. It's one, it's one of the reasons why one of our five core brand values, like us at our best, what we aspire to be is the idea of embracing the challenge. Like if you are, if you're the kind of person that given sort of the easy path and the hard path, you always skirt away from the hard path. But if you really like, you know what, you get one life to live, let's lean in. I'm game. I'll learn the pieces I'm not good at. If you like you like that kind of lean-in approach to life, this is a great space to be in. I mean, fortunately, guest expectations are just going down, 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 and down. Oh, no, wait. They're not. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Unfortunately, not, not so much. And I guess in a sense, too, like, I don't know that we even want them to go down, right? I think in some level, it's like we ourselves are guests as much as we may be also in the service industry. And I think there's this shared goodness in us holding each other to high expectations. I want to wow someone with just the right amount of personal connection and welcome and also the most amazing meal that exceeds their expectations. And even though we're not going to get it perfect, okay, great. Then I get to exercise the ability of how to make it right to somebody. All of those like social dynamics are wonderful or lovely to practice. And I think we kind of want to hold each other to this higher standard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the topics that we're really curious to hear from from you and your leadership perspective on is how you're navigating the headwinds facing the industry today. So labor constraints, supply chain shortages, 
to the outside world and even to the inside world, it can seem very catastrophic what's happening and what might happen over the next six months. I'm curious how Tzatziki has been affected and how you are managing in a logistical sense or even just from a leadership sense, how you're how you're staying positive throughout what's happening this year. You know, sometimes a crisis can really focus your mind, your attention on making you actually a better business. I heard uh, recently someone say that uh, in a recession, which now we're uh, likely facing, a recession uh, doesn't destroy great brands. It actually shines a spotlight on brands that have been delivering value all along. So we don't need to scrap our menu or whip up a bunch of new items. What we really need to do is shine a light on the fact that Tzatziki's have been delivering value all along with our family feasts and our other items. And so that's a really strong position to be in. That's great. However, I'm curious if you, within your own professional career or personal life, frankly, have experienced a quote-unquote favorite failure. There's so many things. In fact, even the way my wife and I think about parenting our three kids has always been around, um, what can we learn from this? Don't have any more kids. No more kids. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we can learn from. Yeah, we learned pretty quick that we really like two kid parents with three kids. That's been an 18-year-old challenge for us. But <laughs> well, yeah, so two things come to mind, Nikki. Um, one is this idea that I think earlier in my career, I wanted to focus on people's strengths and highlight their strengths and encourage them towards success by focusing on their strengths, sometimes withheld some of the candor. I definitely have learned throughout my career this idea of speaking the truth in love. These are not mutually exclusive or even competing ideas. And in fact, the most loving thing I can do is to be straightforward and honest and candid. And certainly if I want to help you, someone's got to point out this, this blind spot. I think the mistake there was trying to manage and lead just through affirmation instead of a more balanced approach of always speaking the truth and in a loving way, in a way that is affirming and that is um, constructive and benevolent. That's the, that's the heart and the purpose but then mince no words, drop the gloves and just be so honest and then receive the same kind of honesty back. So we have it, we're sharpening iron is sharpening iron with these conversations. And so I think I, I didn't do right by some people early in my career. And I've, I've been working on uh, that in the last, you know, five, 15 years and trying to make that adjustment. I think the other thing too, is in hiring a staff, um, I misread some things in my early years in Tzatziki's and in that I've often wanted to hire people that will help us bring the brand into the future. So I'd probably lean and maybe overvalue innovative people, people that are fast movers, fast thinkers, and they can see where we need to go and get us there. And the mistake in that is that there's these at least two other points that are incredibly important. When, certainly when you join a brand that's already 20 years old and growing into the future, it's already established and has legacy there is that you really need, first of all, people that understand and can assimilate into the culture. Like they don't need to lose themselves, but they need to join what is before they reform it and expand it. And then they need to be competent and so competent, um, but also bring people with them. And then lastly, I would say it would be an innovator. And I, I have learned that if I overpopulate our leadership team with innovators who don't take as much time to honor the culture and assimilate into the culture and also focus on earning credibility through their competency, that the innovation alone ends up actually being a kryptonite, a problem, and those people don't last long-term in the organization. Um, and so even though I love to go fast, there's a right pace. And I've made some mistakes around 
um, overvaluing innovation instead of balancing what we're looking for in the leadership team. We had a team member who would share a saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you <laughs> want to go right. far, go together. That's right. Um, and I That's think they took the saying from somewhere else and I've got to go find the source now to make sure I'm not inappropriately, inappropriately appropriating something, if that's a thing. Yeah, it's some ancient idiom that's like well-known or something and we, we're totally ignorant of it. It's true. And that also does seem like potentially it's been um, a central theme even of, of, your, of your experience in Tzatziki's and moving from like a highly innovative type position where you're moving fast, it's tech, and your personal inclination towards change and innovation and reconciling that with the fact that organizations have legacy and how do you balance the scales between those two. Um, so that it's, it's interesting to hear. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely, a, uh, definitely a balance. Um, my team talk sometimes uh, as they navigate through this, and I'll use the expression about sometimes you need to play chess and not checkers. You have to be patient in setting up the move and um, where everybody wins and everybody's with you, um, to your point about not going alone, uh, backfires if you're not smart. So I think that's one of the key ideas of know where you want to go, but be willing to be patient to play you know, chess instead of just sort of blunt checkers. Yeah, I love that. Um, Okay, well, we'll wrap up with a few, you know, more fun questions to get to know you, Dan. I'm curious if there is something, um, you know, a COVID hobby or whatever else, you know, what's something that few people know about you? Let's see. I love to sail. And my wife and I bought like a 40-year-old sailboat and we've been taking classes and learning how to sail with an aspiration of maybe this will be our retirement when we're 90 or whatever. That would be fun to sail. Yeah. Oh, I hope you retire before you're 90. I know, me too. But, <laughs> but you just never. That sounds like what I want when, when you know, my wife and I are 90. We're going to want a small space, no more than 27 feet that we can't actually get <laughs> you off. You nailed it, yeah. Right? I yeah. think that that sounds appealing. Yeah, nothing's more comfortable than than a small space in the raging seas and it caught in the storm, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt about that. It's great to hear a little bit more about you, Dan, and for taking the time to um, share your thinking with us and how you've been navigating an unusually tough year. I think there's another saying, and I'll, this is the last saying, is that when the tide goes out, you discover who's wearing shorts. Well, it's funny, it's funny you say that because on my email tagline uh, through p- the pandemic, I adopted a sailing, uh, another water saying that's not quite so British, but yeah, the, when the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, but the realist adjust the sales, which is probably an invitation for us all to do. Well, that's poetry. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Nikki, thanks a lot. Graham, thanks a lot. Always good to spend time with you guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Heroes and Headwinds, a podcast brought to you by the team at the Culinary Edge, produced by Evan Sorenstein and Mackenzie Phelan. Watch your feed for the new episodes to discover which industry leader we're chatting up next.